Yes, we're back. It's episode 69 of the Hibs Ramble. Uh, it's Liam here this week, joined by, of course, the one, the only, Mr. Sean Corrigan. Sean, please tell me, how are you? I'd be all the better if I could see you, mate, because it looks like your camera's not on at my end. Oh, my camera's on at my end, so here's hoping, that, here's hoping that those on the YouTube uh, can see us okay. I know that those listening on Spotify and Apple and all the other podcast players will be able to hear us all right. Um, so no, another, another win for the cabbage, Sean. Three on the bounce in the league. Seems a bit uh, a bit mental, considering where we were at the start of the season. Um, did you go to the game last night? Did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, I was there. Um, enjoyed it. It was, it was probably a loose term that I would use, just because of how cold it was. But uh, yeah, three points, two goals, one clean sheet. Can't complain. Yeah, absolutely. So, as always, we'll jump right into it. Um, the lineup. Two force changes from last Saturday's win against Dundee. Jordan Abita out with injury, Lewis Miller out with suspension. In comes young Rory Whitaker and uh, not-so-young Lewis Stevenson to replace them. Other than that, it was an unchanged side. Um, I felt like that probably was... I mean, they hadn't done anything to to get dropped any, any of the other players, so I felt like it was fair a fair choice from Monty. Um, what about yourself? Were you expecting any changes, or did you think that he was going to do as he always does and sticks with the same team? I, um, to be fair, I I expected that obviously Whitaker to come and start, um, obviously because there wasn't really anyone else that could go into that position. Um, I heard a beat picked up obviously the injury, so I expected Lewis Stevenson to come in. Um, I'm happy that Levitt and um, Newell were still together in the middle of the park. Um, was quite curious to see if Ellie Yuan would maybe come in or something like that. But now, overall, I was relatively happy with the with the team. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think a lot of people probably were seeing still a lot of people kind of on Twitter and here and there saying things about Josh Campbell that he's no good enough. But I thought Josh played well enough against Dundee, and I think he did well again last night. But um, we'll move on to individual performances in a wee bit. But first half. Before, actually, before we get into the first half, can I just give a special mention, a special shout-out to uh, the Hibernian catering staff because the steak pies yesterday were absolutely spot on. And if if I could rescore Hibs, they would be getting a 10 out of 10. The pies were that good yesterday. Um, I'm, I mean, probably coupled with the fact that it was utterly, utterly Baltic, Sean. Did you have a, yourself a wee pie yesterday? Um, I was going to off the back of what you and Craig had said, um, but by the time I got down there, um, there wasn't any any steak pies left, and I wasn't in the mood for a Scotch one or a vegan option, so I decided against it. I don't know if they would have been the same in the East Stand anyway. I was surprised that uh, that Craig got a good one because he's obviously he sits in the famous five, so. Um, Probably it would have been super ultra mega rare the fact if it had, had uh, good pies in all three stands, but um, it was a great pie, a great bob roll, uh, and it set the tone for the day really because I felt we started the game really well, Sean. 
um, we seem to implement a, a different kind of game plan, um, attacking-wise anyway, I thought. Felt we were getting, I mean, and we'll obviously come to uh, Venti's goal, but we were getting a lot of joy going through the middle of the park. And that, I think, is an observation that Monty's made of Aberdeen because what I saw when we were going through the middle of the park is their two centre-halves, uh, whoever they were playing at the back, was they were so wide apart, they were so far apart, leaving a massive, massive gap in the middle, which seemed daft because, you know, you've got Martin Boyle and who's rapid, Dylan Venti, who's he's not very, no very slow, anyway, put it that way. Did you, did you see it the same as well, or did you think that we were... Yeah. No, you're right. I, I, I saw it the same. I actually expected it to, to go that way as well, just purely because of the way that we set up in the semi-final against um, against Aberdeen. So I would have thought that Aberdeen would have maybe been a little bit game smarter um, and clocked onto it after the semi-final. And regardless of the size of the pitch between us and Hamden, uh, Easter Road and Hamden, which I don't know if it's that big a difference It's now. like half a yard either side. Uh, so... I wasn't I wasn't overly surprised that we implemented the same game plan. It was good to see that um, it was working successfully um, throughout the whole match, really. Um, I know, obviously, it was back against the wall stuff at some point, but um, it's weird because Aberdeen go with like the 3 4 3, 3 5 2. Mm-hmm. So at times it, it looked it like they were playing with a back two, though. Aye, well, that, that's the thing. That's what baffles me. That's exactly what I was going to come on to say. is they set up with three centre-halves for, if not the bulk of the match, if not the whole match, and yet two of those three centre-halves were the width of the 18-yard box apart. It just didn't make any sense. And then the, and then either the left-sided centre-half or the right-sided centre-half would then be right on the byline instead of them splitting it across the whole width of the pitch themselves. It was like one was overcompensating at all times on either side. So listen, you can understand, that, like it's obviously they're obviously want an overload on the on the defending side, but you know if you compensate, I mean if you if you put that many players over to one side, then you're going to have holes on the other side. And with the pace that Hibs have got, it seems like a daft strategy to take. I think what what played into our favour. I know Barry Hobson speaks about it quite a lot uh, in his interviews since then, um, but. He spoke about how well they pressed and how high they pressed, which I don't necessarily agree with that statement. However, we obviously know what Monty's game plan is, is to try and you know bring teams into a false sense of security, mm-hmm. bring them out of shape and out of their positions and then exploit the gaps either in the middle of the park or in behind or even out wide, depending on where they are. And it worked well at Hamden against Aberdeen and it worked well at the weekend there again. So we were inviting the pressure onto ourselves. Um, through Marshall and through Rocky and through Fish. Um, some of the fans in the stand were getting a bit agitated about it. Um, it's not as if we've not seen it for the last 10 weeks or whatever. But because we were doing that, we were bringing Aberdeen onto us. And as you know yourself, Liam, as well, because I've ranted on and on about it, is that will then create the gap in either in the midfield or in the wider areas. And in this instance, it created the gap where one of their centre-halves was caught out of position and led the other two to be leave that big gap in the middle of the park and David Marshall's brilliant ball through, or sorry, miss hit <laughs> ball through uh, to Martin Boyle. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just to touch back on what you said there about opening up that space, we're trying to beat that Aberdeen press. A player that I thought really benefited from that yesterday was Dylan Levitt. Um, he's, I mean, he's, he's really starting to become quite an important player for us at the moment. Um, but he looks just so comfortable on the ball. It is so effortless. Um, there's not many players that have played for Hibs that make it look so easy. Do you think that he's, he's really coming on to our game, Sean? Yeah, he was turning to a Dylan, Dylan McGeoch regen, I felt, throughout that game. <laughs> uh, he was doing a lot of good stuff. He was dropping deep. He was dictating the play, the tempo, the way we were starting our moves and stuff like that as well. Um, he was all over the shop and he was doing all the right things. So, long may that continue. We all know he's a very, very talented player. It's then just whether he can do it against what you would maybe class as the, the, the bigger sides in the league. So, like your Aberdeen, your Hearts your Celtic or your Rangers, where we're maybe not having to rely on you know Jimmy Jago coming in and, and sitting yeah. deeper. So, yeah, uh, it was a big game for him, obviously, um, and he he, he done very, very well. Yeah, he did. I mean, it seems like every game he's getting he's getting better. It's, it's maybe the, the Nick Montgomery effect, because there's a lot of players that you could probably put into that bracket. I mean, Ger Tavares, I think, again, had a, another really good game yesterday. Didn't score, nearly scored, but uh, but didn't um, so I, yeah, I think that we're in a really good place um, with the, the quality of player that we've got now compared to when Nick Montgomery came in 10 weeks ago which is it's mental to say they're the same players but in that short space of time they look like they're, they've just got so much better but it's maybe just because they're getting more comfortable with the way that Money wants to play eh? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, we spoke about it when Monty was first trying to implement his style and stuff like that, that it would take time. But as long as the players maybe start to believe in it um, and can see the strengths of it and how good we are at, at certain aspects of it, then it, it was only going to get better. And, you know, game on game, it's it looks like that's been the case. Yeah. It just goes to show the difference that um, a good quality coaching team can do in comparison to a small little midget that thinks he's bigger than everyone else. <laughs> And they got scudded at the weekend as well, which is pleasing. It's very pleasing. But, um, yeah, we'll touch back on something you mentioned earlier. A, a really uh, a proper mishit and a total shank from David Marshall. Uh, found found Martin Boyle miles away from that Rubizic fucker, that big guy um, that Aberdeen have at the back. Miles away from him. Um I'm not too sure who he was meant to be defending or what he was actually meant to be doing at that point. Um, obviously, and he was obviously in his shape and in a great position, but because David Marshall's miss hit was so miss, yeah, he mm-hmm. wasn't able to body in time. That's that's clearly what. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, all the blame has really got to be put on David Marshall here. It was, it was a, a shocking miss hit, and you know he should really be hanging his head in shame. But um, you know, apart from that. I thought it was a half-decent move. Uh, Boyle very unselfish when Kelrus comes out. I mean, far too many times over the course of the, the years that Martin Boyle's been at Hibs, you've seen him miss those, one and one, uh, those one-on-ones. Maybe not so so much recently, but it's nice to see him being unselfish and letting Dylan Venti get back in amongst the goals because I really think he needed it. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted for, for Dylan to get his goal as well. 
and it was good that like sometimes when a striker goes a wee bit of a spell without a goal and he does manage to get one, he kind of goes away and celebrates on his own and kind of loses himself in the emotion he's scoring. But literally as soon as he as soon as he takes that touch and taps it in, he's already on his way to Martin to to celebrate with him and obviously the team all come together there. So yeah. For me, he really deserved that goal more yesterday than than uh, Dylan Venti. He's deserved it considering the work rate that he puts in. And realistically, we're asking him to do something that he's maybe not necessarily used to. He's obviously brilliant in and around the penalty box, um, and his conversion rate is phenomenal. Um, so when we're asking him to drop deeper and deeper and get involved in the playlist, and he's doing very very well at that as well. Um, I would just want him in the box a little bit more. However, the way that we're playing at the moment with pace up there with him. It makes a little bit of sense for why he's doing the role that he's asked to do at the moment. And listen, if Martin Boyle wasn't up there with him, then probably that goal wouldn't have wouldn't have happened. Yeah, <clears throat> and I just want to touch on the togetherness, but again, because it's something that I think we we end up speaking about every week on here is the the fact that this squad are really really together. I mean, you can see it on the pitch; they're playing with smiles on their faces. Um, it's night and day really compared to where we were under Lee Johnson I've not really seen a, a team as together as this since um, you know the Alan Stubbs days and that was a that was a, a team with a proper good spirit and I feel like we're kind of getting back to that sort of uh, that sort of vibe around the changing room at the moment which is you know it's brilliant and especially so early into a manager's reign it's it seems quite rare um, you know in Hibs regimes that you get a togetherness like that so soon after a new manager has been appointed. But you can see that they're fighting for each other because Don's kind of hit us with a bit of an onslaught, um, you know, for for the remainder of the game until, apart from when we scored. I mean, we'll we'll touch on um, on Will Fish's goal in a second. But I just, what I want to come back to is Barry Robson said that they ran us over. And... I don't think that they really did. There was a lot of pressure, don't get me wrong. They had a lot of the ball in our half. They were shooting a lot, 24 shots or something they had. An onslaught, yes, but running over us, no, I don't think so. What did you think? Yeah, I think it's, it is a funny one because a lot of the... A lot of the chances that Aberdeen seemed to get, I don't want to say came down to our individual errors because I feel like we some of them did though. Well, aye, some of them, but not as much as as um, Barry Robson was was alluding to in his his post match interviews. I think for me, when we are trying to implement a style of play and a philosophy like we are, it doesn't necessarily mean that every single pass that we make out for the back needs to be along the back line and into midfield and then into attack. To Martin Boyle's goal that the way that we set up brings Aberdeen onto us and then we can obviously hit it long into that gap but on the same on the flip side sorry if we're not able to find that out, out ball we can sometimes play our way into trouble sometimes that did happen at the weekend um, but I agree with you Aberdeen did kind of again not necessarily dominate the whole of the match they had a, a big spell, especially in the second half, where they were on top. And when I say on top, I use that term loosely. They were in our final third and they were they were getting shots off. But like you say, the togetherness of the team, the defensive position of the team and the shape that we had, um, 
apart from obviously the, the three or four big saves that Marshall makes and the penalty save, um, I, I would dare to say they didn't threaten us that much. I know they put, hit the post twice, um, probably contradicting myself here anyway. Um, no, but so, yeah. I feel the exact same because yes, they had a lot of chances, a lot of efforts. Never I mean, Marshall made a lot of good saves, but I didn't feel overly uncomfortable at the fact that yeah. they had that much. I mean, I said I said it at the game, and I tweeted it as well from the Ramble account, that they are by far and away the worst outfit in a division, and I would honestly not be surprised to see them in a relegation dogfight come the end of the season. Um, they are absolutely stinking, and without Mayovsky, they would be... I mean, God knows where they would be. They would definitely be in that automatic relegation spot anyway, but... They would be in a much worse position than they are now. Barry Robson, in his interview, that it's probably one of the best performances that his Aberdeen side have played, um, like since since he joined. And I think that maybe kind of his view of that is kind of overshadowed by the fact of the amount of chances that they potentially didn't take or could have done better with. Obviously, they have the penalty, great save by David Marshall. They hit the post a couple of times. Well, fish players one, two or three yards off the line. So, if you don't know the outcome of the score and the outcome or the, the final score, of the outcome of the game, based on what we've just said in the last five minutes, you would think that they had peppered their goal and that they'd absolutely battered us. But like you said, I was never really overly concerned that they were going to be able to turn us over or get back into the game or even try and you know take the lead at any point. If they if they got one, like I didn't feel like they were going to go on and get a second one. Um, yeah. And I think that just kind of goes to goes to show that again you can bring teams into a false sense of security where they can maybe think that they're dominating and that they're on top, and very similar to what happened in this game, we can then go up the other end, get a set piece, and take our chance. It's very, I mean, it's very easy for for you to get the fear though when when I was playing, so. and uh, and obviously them coming on to us. I mean, it's. We've been quite good at throwing away two goal leads this season. Obviously, we'll, we'll talk about the second goal now, actually. I mean, it's a, it's a, another assist from Martin Boyle. Another goal from a corner as well, which seemed to be a rare thing uh, after, uh, before the last couple of weeks. Um, really, really good rise from Will Fish. And it's a, a lovely header, albeit it takes a little nick off of Rubicic and and finds its way into the back of the net. But... I mean, how pleasing is it now to see us actually putting set pieces to good use? Yeah, it's good. I think the, the, the level of aerial threat that we have in our team now is is frightening. Obviously, you've got like Lewis Miller, you've got Rocky, you've got um, well, Fish, three guys I wouldn't know what to find in a, a dark alley in the middle of, yeah. the, middle of the night because they're absolutely living shit out of me and <laughs> the way that they're built and stuff like that. So, I would certainly want to be. wouldn't want to be facing up against them at a corner. That's for sure. And then you've got people like Eli Yuan, who has got a great aerial threat for his size and his build. Dylan Venti as well's um, got an aerial threat. So we do pose opposition teams real difficulty at set pieces, whether it be corners or you know long range free kicks when they're getting locked yeah. into the box and stuff like that. I'm not overly surprised to see us getting a little bit more success from it. And something that I noticed as well, and was actually mentioned on Sports Scene last night, was that 
the 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 centre halves and you know those kind of taller, stronger players in the team are obviously being told to go and attack the ball a little bit more when it comes to those set pieces. I mean, Will Fish had a really good uh, header in the first half, just whistled past the post. Rocky Bushiri again um, in the first half had a good header. Uh, Josh Campbell had a, a good header, albeit it was offside um, that, uh, that, that Kel Roos saved. So we're looking like a lot more of a threat from set pieces, um, which which is uh, it's, it's nice to see, considering, you know, I mean, I can't even mind the last time we scored for a corner before the weekend, apart from the cup final. Um, but... Lewis Miller's won the other week, huh? Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, oh Lewis was won the other week, I right enough. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And technically, he got one for a corner at Kelly as well. Oh, I think, I, well, we're, yeah. we're not getting on that one, are we? If he's listening, I'll definitely give it a link. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I'm I'm not going to give him that one. He's on two goals for me for this season, and that's one against St. Johnson and one against uh, Dundee. So, well done, Lewis. But I'm not giving you that other one against Kelly. Um, yeah. So, just a couple of things before we before we quickly look ahead to Celtic and answer the listener questions. Aberdeen were a massive, massive couple of chances to get back into it. Um, Majowski hits the post, obviously. Will Fish clears off the line. Um, but, you know, the big opportunity is the penalty. Don't think many people in this day and age can have an awful lot of complaints that it was given. Um, Willie Collins seemed to be pretty sure at the time uh, and, and pointed to the spot right away. I was waiting on the VAR check and VAR penalty disallowed and stuff but uh, unfortunately it never came but we didn't need it anyway, a great save from David Marshall if it goes in Sean, do you think it's squeaky bum time for Hibs and do you think Aberdeen probably pick up the momentum and go ahead and score a second? Um, if we hadn't been able to see out a victory against Dundee the other week um, I probably would have been a little bit more worried because of the quality opposition and it being Aberdeen if they'd managed to get into it. But see some of the two old games that we've had, I, I didn't necessarily think that we were under too much of a threat from the opposition team. It was more of a case of shooting ourselves in our own foot more than yeah. anything else. And we were able to hold out against Dundee, which I think psychologically was great for the side. I think hypothetically, if Aberdeen were to score that penalty, I do think that we would have held on um, because, like I said, I didn't feel like we were overly concerned. I, I was sitting in the stand, I didn't feel overly concerned when we were playing out to the back and when we were under the pressure from Aberdeen. So even if they did get that one because of what had happened in the Dundee game away and they were able to hold on with 10 men as well, I think that we would have been able to hold on. And I think mentally it would have been it would have been great for the sides. Um, yeah, and the fact that we'd held up and then done it again this week, or sorry, last week against Aberdeen there. I think what will set us in good stead is the fact that we managed to hold out completely and keep the clean sheet against ultimately what is a what is a decent Aberdeen side. They might a decent Aberdeen striker. Like that is a stinking Aberdeen side, Sean. I really beg to differ. That is among the the worst Aberdeen sides I've seen in my lifetime. They are pish. They are murder. Well, here's hoping they are in that relegation fight like you've just predicted, because I'll definitely be happy with that. Honestly, see, 
last season when Hearts were in Europe and then they were in the league and I know their league form took a bit of a hit because of the fact they were in Europe but I genuinely think that Aberdeen I don't think they're going to finish top six I think they will be bottom six this season they are honestly honestly stinking between last season and this season Aberdeen are a far cry from what they used to be really like under McInnes and that they are absolutely shocking um, yeah so just one more thing before uh, we quickly move ahead to Celtic and listener questions I know it's been a bit of a a quick episode this week, folks, but um, life sometimes gets in the way, so Sean can only Sean can only give me forty minutes this week, which is a shame. I'm not happy with that, hey, Sean. Quick turnaround as well. We've got a game. game yeah, exactly. Week as well, and we've got a game. Um, quick turnaround episode to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying our hardest here. We're trying our hardest. Um, Rudy Molotnikov making his uh, league debut last night as well, which is uh, a big positive step. I've seen, I think it was Liam from Down the Slope that tweeted, um, let me just find it. It was a stat. Yeah, so he he tweeted, yeah, he tweeted league minutes by homegrown under 21 players. Lee Johnson after 41 games in charge, 35 minutes. Montgomery after just 10 games in charge, 245 minutes. So, I mean, and I don't think Rory Whitaker looked all that out of place last night. Um, thought he was, thought he played really well. A couple of mistakes here and there, but I think the, his performance was more good than bad. Um, Rudy Molotnikov as well, getting, getting a, a good chance. I thought he... He did all right when he came on. He didn't have an awful lot of time, didn't have an awful lot to do, but I thought he made a half-decent account of himself. Sean, how how are you feeling about all this trust that's being put on these young players? I think if, if things weren't going relatively well for Monty like they have been, especially in recent weeks, the fact that he's given the kids and the youth team players some lively minutes or a considerable amount of minutes based on what you've just said um, that alone gives you some trust and gives you extra time with the support Yeah, but Monty's getting both at the moment in regards to he's getting the results in recent weeks and he's still being able to give minutes. Listen, fair play to Rory, was it five, five months ago he was, or it was not even five months ago, he was a wall boy against Luzerne and now he's playing 90 minutes for the first team. So, fair play to him. Listen, he, he looked absolutely blown at his arse towards the end and I can understand that he's up against yeah, he was... up against uh, Johnny Hayes. He's up against experienced, experienced pros who have been there and done it in regards to the Scottish game and played at a high level. And yeah, positionally, he was maybe out two or three times. Maybe he got caught out a few times lack of concentration maybe there throughout, especially towards the end of the match. But all in all, very, very, very good account of himself. Um, and him, the club, his family can be very, very proud of him for being able to put in that lively performance against uh, against those types of players at home. And I'll tell you what, listen, I couldn't have done it at his age. I couldn't no, have done it no. at his age. No. Um, I couldn't even do it now. Really on and didn't even need to take his slippers off, scroll in the park for him. It was like he was down the meadows kicking the ball about. So fair play to him, very, very talented player. 
I'm really, really happy to see him back in and around the fold. I think he's a very talented player. Um, and I want to see more minutes from him. So I'm glad um, that, that Monty was able to put him on. Listen, there's nothing against Josh Landers in any way, shape or form. Because obviously he's got the trust Maybe in Maybe a wee bit well more to difficult to get minutes as a striker at the moment, though, when you've got Dylan Venti, 700 grand striker, Martin Boyle, Eli Yuan, Christian Doidge. I mean, I think they're a wee bit harder to to upend at the moment, especially when, you know, you need your strikers to score goals. I'm not saying that midfielders are dispensable in any way, shape or form, but I feel like it's maybe a little bit easier to throw to throw a midfielder on or to to have a midfielder kind of there or thereabouts rather than no, a striker. That, that's, the, that's the point that I'm trying to make, though. So, like, against St Mirren, away, you put Josh on, Whereas maybe if, if Rudy was available or in a position to be on that bench or I can't remember if he was even on the bench for that game, that's the type of sub that I felt like he should have maybe made at St Mirren yeah. away. So I'm glad that at the weekend there it was that sub that he made at the weekend rather than putting Josh on because obviously we've got Deutsch back in the ball so he came on, good outlet to have. Um, and it's what I mentioned on last week's episode, we're now starting to get more of our regular squad players in and around starting yeah. 11 in the benches. And like, even if you take that into consideration, I'm still happy that Rudy got a, a decent amount of time at the weekend and listen, didn't necessarily put a foot wrong either. This is it. This is it. Now, we will just quickly touch on Celtic. I don't want to spend an awful lot of time on it, but um, Parkhead on Wednesday night. <laughs> oh, just as we're starting to hit a little bit of form, of course, we've got Celtic away um, where we've not won in, what is it, 10 years now? Or is it longer than that? Twelve years, maybe. It's not great. Like it's not great. Since Danny Galbraith, I, f- I feel like that was maybe two thousand and ten, maybe thirteen years since we last won there. Not an ideal place to go, Sean. But given their form, I mean their home form this season, they they have, I mean by Celtic standards, really, they they have uh, picked up a couple of home draws, um, against St Johnston and Motherwell at home. Um, went behind uh, yesterday away to St Johnson. I'm not too sure Celtic are in the healthiest place that they've been in the last few years at the moment. Is it a chance for us to go and beat them or do you think we just kind of need to stay compact, stay tight and maybe get a, get a point out of the game? Very intrigued to see Monty's lineup come Wednesday night. Very intrigued to see how he sets us up, considering what happened and what unfolded at Ibrox earlier on in the season. Um, you're right in what you're saying, though, Celtic. They were taking a lot of learnings from that, though, I would imagine. Aye, of, course. of course. And I think Celtic aren't necessarily in the greatest they, they form at the moment, but they're still Celtic. They've still got the... Um, they still have a real, real, real squad depth in regards to the level of quality that they have. Um the vast majority, if not all of their squad and their bench, would make an ever starting eleven, just off the top of my head, without necessarily thinking of individual positions. Very tough place to go, but yeah, you're like like you said, they've struggled at times, even at home, um, in certain games. So that's maybe something that we can take to learn from it. And I think if a Craig Levine side can get a goal against them and hold <laughs> on for a time, then I think a Montgomery Hibs side will be able to maybe do something. Um, the only issue and the only concern that I have is that 
Brendan Rodgers would have given them a right bollocking after the weekend. He said after he said after the game at the weekend after they got the win that he's never been more angry as a manager um, in his whole managerial career than he was at half time at McDermott Park. So would you not I'm be angry as well? See the goal that they conceded that was a shambles. I after watching it, Celtic then they looked like they were going to score in nine hundred minutes. Never mind never mind ninety minutes after that first half performance. So he obviously got a second half reaction from them and I'm hoping that it, that reaction maybe doesn't spill into Wednesday night's game because we will be up against it but it will be interesting to see the, the stand 11. I don't actually think the stand 11 might necessarily change too much than what it has in the last three, four, five weeks. Maybe see you'll beat Ian Miller coming back in but I think, I mean if that I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not too not too sure that there's going to be many other changes. I mean, maybe we'll change it about, given that we've got a pretty hectic schedule between now and now and the end yeah. of the year. So we just got to see, um, we've just got to see what he does really. But I think the players that he's got will suit his system. Whatever he, whatever eleven he decides to play, I feel like there's players that can come in and do a job um, for a game or for a half, for an hour, something like that. So. I'm not too sure. We'll just need to wait and see come Wednesday night. But um, I will actually. I know actually. I won't. I was going to say I'll get a prediction from you, but I'll, I'll wait until Wednesday night to get to do that. I wonder if he will potentially. I, I'm not necessarily happy with Elliot and defensive contribution against Aberdeen because he left Rory Whitaker exposed a hell of a lot, and it, it was really frustrating and, and really bad to see. But I wonder if. It, for freshness, he might bring Eli Yuan in, stick Eli Yuan up top with any, and then put Martin Boyle in the wider area. Um, but then again, who would then drop Campbell, out? Maybe Josh Campbell, or maybe or Jair, who obviously looked like he had a wee bit of a shoulder injury. He might, <laughs> might be, a be made even worse now after David Grace slapping him on it. You see that in the so post game video that Hibs put on Twitter. Yeah. Aye, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I think. Um, I don't think he'll change his shape and his philosophy. I think it'll just be the different phases of, of the match in which he'll implement different parts of his, his game plan to try and get something from Celtic in regards to trying to expose them um, where they leave gaps, which is in the wider areas. So, yeah, like I said, very, very intrigued to see what the starting 11 will be come Wednesday. Absolutely. OK, then, we will move on to this week's listener questions. Now it's time to enter the Hib Ramble listener questions. First up, Sean, it's John McIntosh as always, and he's asking, what's for dinner and what is a realistic position for Hibs to finish this year? Um, well, I'm down in Birmingham for work um, purposes today and tomorrow. Um, so I have a budget for my dinner. Uh, I wouldn't even say a budget because I can literally just go out and pretty much get what I want and it'll be covered, thankfully. Um, so I'm undecided about what I'm going to have for dinner, unfortunately, John. Um, but once I do decide, once I do get out of this hotel room, I will definitely, definitely let you know what that is. <laughs> well, you need to let me know first. For... What was that? You need to let me know first. Aye. Uh, I'll send you. I'll send you a picture, or I'll tell you where I'm going. Don't mind. Um, as for realistic place to finish in the league, at second, of course. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, listen, I don't think that 
the start of the season, I would have said third. I'm still going to say third. I think the way that we have transitioned from the beginning of the season to now and what we're trying to do, and like you said, a lot of players have um, been brought out of the cold and Monty's been able to transform them into these wonder players. And if he can do that for some of the players that we're potentially bringing back in January, if there's a Melkerson, if there's a Megua, um, McCurdy, those kind of three players, I think, under the current coaching setup, greatly improves our squad. So if you if you go by what he's done with Rocky and what he's done with uh, Jaya, for example. So um, I don't see why third isn't, isn't still achievable, and that's what I want. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would say exactly the same, to be honest, mate. Um, third, given how tight the, the table is at, at this point of the season I mean, it's never usually this tight some i mean the last few years certainly we've had a bit of a runaway at third uh, at this stage of the season so the fact that there's still only a couple of points in it even from third down to what is it six or something there's there's still only a handful of points in it um so i mean we've got as much chance as anyone to finish third um when a couple of these games that we've got leading up to the derby and beat hearts on the 27th and then we're in a really, really healthy spot. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd probably back us to to fight right till the end um, to get third. If we don't get, it, I mean, probably fourth is is what we'll end up getting. To be honest, I mean, someone's going to do a push and end up third. We won't end up there, but we've got to we've got to believe. But what is for my dinner, John? Uh, simple answer is I don't know. Um. We've just been shopping, so there's there's a plethora of things in the fridge. Um, so I don't know what we're having yet. We will make that decision once recording has ceased. So like Sean, I'll let everyone know in the next episode what I had. And by I'll let everyone know in the next episode, I don't think I'll remember. So you're just going to need to sit and wonder what I'm going to have and what Sean's going to have. Uh, next up. We've got Kevin Wilson, and he says, kicking aside, Marshall probably won us the game today. Made the big saves at important points of the game. Will Fish playing like a prime Cannavaro. Absolute colossus at the back. A very deserved goal from Venny after his performances in the recent weeks. Completely agree with all that, to be honest. I mean, we've spoken at length about David Marshall and how good he was. Will Fish, uh, I mean, goal aside, was superb throwing his body on the line, left, right and centre. And you touched on it earlier, Sean, uh, Dylan Venti, after his work rate and his performances the last few weeks, he is a very, very well-deserved goal. I don't think there's much that we can disagree on there, Kevin. Um, next up, we've got Gav. And Gav is actually the only the only rambler that I predicted a 2-0 scoreline for Hibs yesterday. So very well done, Gav. He said, class win, called it. Graham Shinney is a cheat. Should have been sent off for pre- precedent. I think he means persistent fouling. Why do refs seem to be scared of booking him? Willie Collum is inept. IMO. Uh, well, Willie Collum's not very great referee, but for some reason he's the, he's the top one in Scotland. Um, I would be... Um, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't call out the fact that my dad messaged us on Instagram and said that he, uh, he thought it was going to be a 2-0 victory as well. So oh, really? Oh, well. The only, uh, that predicted a 2-0 win. My dad I've done, said I've done be, Martin out of, a, out of a show there. I'm very sorry, Martin. Uh, 
uh, he even said it would be Venti and um, Rocky that would score. So he was 50% kick to his scorers as well. So for once in his life, he's done well with his predictions and he's got something relatively right. So well done there, Martin. But yeah, Gav's got it right as well. Um, I, and yeah, Willie Gollum isn't very great at refereeing, unfortunately. I don't understand the whole Graham Shinney. I don't know how he got away with zero bookings uh, yesterday, never mind two yellow cards. So yeah. Yeah, I thought Graham Shinney was a bit of a joke yesterday, to be honest. I mean, as a senior pro, he's just, I think he try to act too much like Scott Brown. So maybe he'd just grow up a bit of Graham Shinney, you daft chicked a bastard. Um, next, Keith Robertson. Marshall's best performance for Hibs. Could see the difference on the right-hand side without Miller, but credit to young Rory Whitaker for stepping in. Well-worked goals, held on for a much-needed win ahead of Celtic away. Can we expect another sob story from Dave Cormack soon? <laughs> I think so. And I think if Aberdeen weren't in the League Cup final, I think Barry Robson probably would have already got his daughters, if I'm honest, and Mark would have been delighted. Well, exactly. That, if but... we're talking about predictions, and Mark has got to be brought up here because he has said, really, since Barry Robson was appointed as Aberdeen manager, that he wouldn't last till Christmas. And it looks very unlikely that. Um, you know, if they lose this cup final, when is it the seventeenth or something? If they lose this yeah, cup final, then uh, it would already be gone. So I think the fact that they beat us in the semi final is um, kept them in a job. Maybe. maybe it'll be like a Jack Ross situation, and he'll go a week before the final. Not a shame, eh? get away from. Nah, exactly. I mean, he, his comments yesterday. Honestly, what a bitter, bitter bastard. Genuinely, fucking, oh, really wound me up, eh? How he was calling it a mishit and how they ran over us and that. Shut up, man, eh? Um, next up, we've got Hayley, and she's asking, is Barry Robson the new Ian Cathro, or am I mishitting the mark? That's brilliant. That The last comment there is tremendous, for, to be fair. I, I did laugh that. at that when it came in. Yeah. Um, we've got a double header question here from Albert Street um, first part is good solid looking spine now Billy the Fish and Rocky at the back uh, Levitt and Newell through the middle those two really look like they complement each other in the middle of the pitch I think really Sean for, for that pair just as we said earlier on I mean Dylan Levitt really coming onto a game and you know Joe Newell obviously oozes class uh, out of every orifice of his body Um Will Fish and, and Rocky, we did mention it last week, but what a formidable partnership they're starting to create at the back, eh? Yeah, no, they're, they're becoming a real good partnership together. I think the more that they play together and Monty given that, you know, little bit of belief in Rocky has allowed that partnership to grow. Um, and turns out that at the moment they're both slowly getting better suited to Monty's style of play. I know Will Fish is prior to coming to Hibs and prior to Monty, he's never really been asked to play out for the back. So um, he's learning on the job. And, you know, we've always said that Rocky, with the right level of coaching, or at least I have anyway, with the right he's level of coaching, there's definitely a player in there. And again, under our coaching setup, you can see that, like you said last week, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, and the second part of Albert Street's question is, uh, will Shinny ever get booked? And why is Barry Robson such a wee fanny? 
you know, you just know that uh, um, Graham Kenny's going to get booked for the softest foul in the next game or two, eh? Oh, mate, He'll get sent off in the cup final. Watch this. And Sean, why is Barry Robson such a wee fanny? Have you got any intel for us there? Um, he's just bitter that his squad is not of the same level of quality as Hibernian football clubs. Yeah, true. I get it up him. And he's he's just a weird guy. He, he's like Willow Flood with hair. That's who he reminds me of. He's just a proper glaikit guy. A glaikit chukta guy. Weird, weird guy. Um, next up, we've got John Tolmey, and something that we haven't actually spoken an awful lot about at length today um, that we probably should have mentioned. Um, he's asking, what do you make of the run of away games coming up? Now, we've got, obviously, Celtic on Wednesday night. Then we have, I can't remember if this is the order, but we've got Livingston, St. Johnson, then Ross County. Is yeah. that right, Sean? I don't know about the, the order. I'm fairly certain it is Livy next as well. You'll probably have to check because I'm using my phone here. But yeah, it is a tough, it is a tough set of fixtures. Um, obviously the Celtic, the Celtic game is not a free hit. I'm not going to sit here and say that because we should still be doing our damnedest to try and get a result at Celtic Park, regardless of how good or bad they are form-wise. Livy, considering the way that they are, still a tough place to go. Um, tough, tough fixture, tough time of the year uh, with the fixture congestion as well, but. Again, still a side that we should be aiming to beat. Um, if there's ever anything that's nailed on, it's a Craig Levine victory against Hibs when we go to St Johnstown, unfortunately. Although, again, the level of quality that we have in comparison to them is enough for us to get something for the game, if not a victory. The, the Ross County one is always, always mine going, going away up there. Especially um, on the December. day before Christmas Eve, that's a, that's a stinker. It always happens in or around the winter period that we're away to Ross County. So, um listen, if we can get if we can get three points away to Livy and we can get three points away to um St Johnston, I wouldn't be overly concerned if we're then maybe dropping points away to Ross County and getting a draw um in there before the derby. Obviously I want to win all the games, but when you take into consideration the fixture congestion and the fact that those, you know, three games, well obviously four if you include Celtic are, are away, is a tough run of fixtures for us, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got Celtic on Wednesday the sixth. Then the ninth is um, the ninth is Livingston, sixteenth St Johnston, twenty third Ross County, and then our next home game uh, is Hearts on the twenty seventh. But then after that, we've got in the league anyway. We've got one, two, three home games on the bounce with Hearts, Motherwell, and then Rangers. Yep. Um, and you've got so, a break. Mackins, yeah, Mackins. I, obviously we've got the winter break as well. I mean, and yeah. as well, I mean, as well as the uh, Hearts, Motherwell, and Rangers at home, we've we've got four for away in the cup sandwiched in there as well. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a tricky a tricky period. Um, certainly up until the winter break, uh, maybe to to keep players fit to keep them um, from getting injuries. You know, it's a it's a difficult a difficult time of the season for any team really. Um, to to keep your best players firing on all cylinders, it's easy to pick up injuries in this cold weather and lots of games, you know, and then playing on Livingston's plastic pitch obviously doesn't help either. So I think it's a it's a bit of an anomaly to have four away games on the bounce, um, probably especially at this time 
of the season at this time of the year. So hopefully we can just come away with it with as many points as we can and look ahead to that game on the 27th against Hearts as a chance to hopefully, if we've not done it already, leapfrog them, Sean. Yeah, we were speaking about it in my group chat, actually, and the, the fixtures that Hearts have got between now and playing them in comparison to what we have. Potentially, if things go our way, you could see us go go above them or be or beat them to go above them. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting 27th of December when it comes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and just as an aside to that, Harvey Scott sent us in a question, and he's um, he said four away games in a row with Christmas around the corner. Do you think it's unfair as ticket prices will uh, will be likely twenty to thirty pound a piece? I think it's poor planning, but isn't the I think the the St Johnson game is a reschedule, isn't it? So yeah, and the and the vast majority of ticket pricing is agreed at the start of the season by both clubs as well throughout all the fixtures. It is, like I mean, say, the ticket unfair. prices at the moment are a joke, to be honest. Like they're far too expensive. Especially like, like, I mean, don't want to get all too political about it, but like cost of living crisis and, you know, football fans are very, very loyal. I mean, people spend, you know, thousands of pounds following their team throughout the year. So I, f- I feel like four away games at this time of the year is is pretty poor, but, you know, it swings and roundabouts, really. I mean, there'll, be a, there'll be a season there. What's that? You've got to play them all away at some point, haven't you? Yeah, this is it. But I mean, I, with Christmas around the corner, I know for a fact that I'm not be able, going to be able to make it to all four, um, which is a shame because obviously I, w- I would ideally like to be there at all four. But, you know, with the way that the way that life is at the moment, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who end up missing out. And it's a shame, but at the end of the day, Sean, it's just kind of the way that the cookie crumbles, eh? Yeah, it is unfortunate, like you said. Um but listen, we'll still travel in our big numbers. We always do, regardless of the time of year, regardless of what's going on in our lives. Everyone uses football as, as a reason to escape and get out. So um, I don't for a, I don't believe for a second that we won't not take a big following. Uh, Absolutely. We'll yeah. At all our games. Yeah, I mean the 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 away support really from since we came back from COVID has been exceptional. I mean it's always been good. Uh, from a Hibs point of view but since we came back from Covid I think people take it a lot less for granted um, going to enjoy yourself in the football and you know obviously with the, the Block 7 boys making making a, a good atmosphere on, on away trips it's uh, it's it's made a, a lot better and it's a lot more fun these days to to follow Hibs away um, and watch them so yeah like you said I, I don't think there will be um an awful lot of diminished numbers, but I feel like there, there'll be, there will be some people who miss out, which is a shame. Um, finally, from the Twitter, before we move on to Instagram, uh, we've got Colin McLennan, and he is asking, with the January transfer window not that far away, who would you offload and who slash what position would you bring in? I don't think we'll bring anyone in unless we offload anyone, um, if I'm honest. That's what I think, I think Monty said that, didn't he? Yeah, I think with the players that we've got coming back as well, they're coming back in key areas or key positions um, to grow our strength and depth. And with, a, like I said, the level of coaching that we currently have um, within our club, I think a lot of our players will improve rather than bringing in what you could potentially deem as unknown qualities. 
um, quantities, qualities, one of them. Quantities. Anyway. Entities? Quantities. I don't know what the word is. Um, Someone will correct us, I'm sure. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how we move in the January market. If we move, I don't think we'll bring anyone in unless anyone leaves. I don't know if we'll maybe try and cash in on like maybe a Melkerson or someone like that. I'm not too sure. I don't know. So, if, I yeah. don't know if we'll see Melkerson go because I've got a feeling that uh, Monty will be rubbing his hands at the thought of Elias Melkerson. I mean, he's done half decent on his um, on his loan spell back in and not is it was it Norway or was it Sweden that he went, Sean? I can't remember. Norway. I would love nothing more than Melkerson to come back and. Um, we redemption arc for him or or for you in regards to Harry McCurdy. Yeah. So I, I think with him and Caden and Megwa, um, listen, I still think that we could maybe do a centre half, but then we've got Hanlon and Riley, Riley Harbot also. Yeah. Unless one of those here we probably wouldn't bring another one in. We've still got Jago, we've still got Campbell, we've then got Rudy coming into the fold as well. So um, it would be unlikely to sit, sit here and say that we'd probably bring in a centre-half or a centre-midfielder to start. Mm-hmm. No, I think um, I think you're right. I mean, uh, there's obviously going to be a lot of links between us and the A-League now with uh, with Nick Montgomery coming from Central Coast and stuff. So, I'm ca- actually, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what some of the rumours are going to be looking like, uh, who we're going to be bringing in. So, um, that uh, all remains to be seen. We're still a long way away from January yet, so that can be uh, a story for another day. Um, right, okay. Moving on to the Instagram. Um, first up, we've got Rudy Mulvey, and uh, they're saying, I now see why Mark hates Barry Robson. Go cry with a sheep, you prick. Freak goal, miss hit. Great win, though, and so happy. Venti's hard work finally pays off. It's been a while since we've heard the David Marshall song as well. I thought that as well at the time. I was buzzing that uh, the David Marshall song was ringing round Easter Road. Certainly deserved it, Sean, eh? He definitely, definitely deserved it. Um, his lively performance has grown week on week, and long may it continue. Absolutely. Um Penultimate question this evening is from Martin Corrigan, and he's saying, I think the young lads should keep getting a start. Whitaker had a blinder against the Dons, uh, something that we touched on earlier on. I think that Rory Whitaker certainly had uh, had a good game, a lot more good, a lot more positive than negative, um, certainly for young Rory to take out of the game yesterday. And finally, to wrap us up, we've got Nige. Um, who says, evening chaps, happy to eat humble pie and say how impressed I was with Marshall today, rolling back the years with a performance and deserving of man of the match. Having said that, we've rolled our luck today, but sometimes you need a bit of luck and we've not had much of that of late. I don't entirely agree with Robson's analysis of the game. I feel it takes away the positives in our own performance. End of the day, three points is three points. Glory, glory. Completely agree. I think that Nige usually hits the nail right on the head, Sean. And yeah, we did buy the luck at times, but we've not we've not had that luck recently when it comes to when it comes to anything really in in, in football. So it's it's nice to see that we're actually getting the rub of the green for once. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like you said, Nige is Nige is always 
pretty much spot on everything he said, and he's he's hit the nail on the head there as well. So fair play to him. Yeah, top man. And um, remember, if you want to get involved with asking questions or being involved with a pod at, uh, at any point, just reach out to us uh, on the socials. We are at the Hibs Ramble on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Um, remember, you can listen to us on Apple and Spotify uh, and watch us on YouTube. But that will do us for this evening. Sean, thanks very much for joining me. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you for the last hour or so. And uh, I hope you enjoy your meal, whatever you have tonight for your dinner. Thank you very much. I'm going to go and put my Leaf 7 cap on and get out. <laughs> Repping it in Birmingham, try and get some sales down when you're down the road. <laughs> Not the first time Leaf 7's been in Birmingham, I must add. Correct. Correct. Are you far away from Villa Park? Um, I'm not far from where the Hibs fans gathered and that walk towards the train station. So, um, yeah, when I left the train station today, I had to, I had to walk that same road again. So I had the memories of, of that march, if you want to call it that, which was great. It was nice. Brilliant. Not today, though. Not <laughs> well, anyway, have fun, be safe and... Uh... Thank you for listening and we will chat to you. Uh, will we chat to you before the weekend? We'll see. Awesome. We'll wait and see. We'll, we'll maybe do a quick wee one before uh, Saturday's game against Livingston. Just recap. It depends really on the Celtic result, to be honest. But um, <laughs> we will uh, we'll chat to you at some point. And thanks again for listening and we'll see you later. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Let's get ready to rumble.